Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, up, Aaron, Bert? we're going to be talking about Bill's tomato game. And Bill gonna, does it all. He I'm does gonna it be, all. I'm going to be referring to it as a tomato for the duration of the episode out of deference to our British listeners. This I one's see. for you guys. Tomato. I, to, to make up for that, for our American and more uh, importantly, West Virginian listeners, I'll call them maters. Maters. Now, Aaron, if there's one thing I know about you, you're a man of the soil. That's um, you are of the soil. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, w- tell me about your gardening experience. I mean, I know you've got a little plot of land in your backyard that you tend lovingly. Um, tell me about the, some things that you've grown in the past. You know, I grew up during the Reagan administration boat. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, of course, uh, one of the mainstays of the Reagan administration was his love well, two, three things really. He, uh, you know, astrology. Mm-hmm. You gotta have that. Yeah, you gotta have a uh, uh, a belief in UFOs. All right, and thirdly, you gotta have a a desire to continuously gulp down jelly beans. But right, and so right. what I like to do is I, I get me a handful, usually black and reds, and plant those back there every year, and get and get my uh, jelly bean. Ha- Wait a minute, no, I don't know how to farm, boat. You know that? <laughs> the hell are you talking about? Work the soil. Listen, I don't know how to farm. I can't grow nothing, man. I can't I grow weeds. That's it. So, no, I don't know jack squat about tending the earth. What about you? You know, gardening is one of those things that I've always liked the idea of, but it turns <laughs> out the gardening is hard. You've got to be yeah. disciplined. You've got to get down on your hands and knees. you got to dig around in the soil. I've spent yeah. many an afternoon watching my wife work in the garden, and I'll tell you this, I want no part of it. It's it's very difficult. Yeah, uh, she, I, I know. Eep is Eep grew up on like a farm, didn't she, Boat? She did. She grew up. Her parents are farmers. They own a farm to this day. They they own orchards. They grow tons of different vegetables, and she's carried that with her here to Hurricane. Uh, we have a uh, she grows peppers and and radishes and all kinds of crazy things out in the yard. Um, she's got quite the green thumb. I prefer to have uh, you know the the British country garden where you walk out there and you sort of clip a couple you know buds off with with some pruning shears and then you just return back inside to hit the booze that's the way that's I like all it. that's how they do it over there that's how they do it i've I had seen no idea i've seen tons of episodes of masterpiece here and i know how is this that works. what it is yeah you're a masterpiece yeah. of something boat but anyways <laughs> no i you know my uh everyone farmed uh when i was a kid every every house had a little uh garden in front of it that they would make put uh put a tomato so my mom and dad still occasionally will grow stuff out in their porch you know, why do you but, think? Uh, uh, well, why do you think that went away? What, what What do you think stopped people's desire to grow their own food? Grocery stores mostly, and lazy. There were no grocery stores when you were when you were growing up. No, well, when my parents were growing up, they and and your probably your parents and grandparents, they were not nearly as prevalent. So, I mean, in terms of get, listen, you're out in the sticks. Do you want to drive uh, uh, 50 miles? Or you're going to make your own. Plus, there was a lot more canning going on. Remember canning? That's true. Canning was a big thing. Have you ever canned? No. Uh, my mom is a big canner. She she likes to can, you know, various vegetables and things. And um, to be honest with you, I was never a big vegetable eater. I was never a person of the vegetable. I know this shocks you. But, <laughs> I literally uh, can't believe it. But, um, but you know, the, the thought of canned green beans still sends shivers down my spine to this day. It's- you know, I, uh, I, I try. I do eat, I eat some vegetables, but... You know, we used to, my grandma and my, and all of her daughters would get together and, mm-hmm. and, and some of her neighbors and they would have the big canning parties and they'd have the, they'd put, put away the preserves and, and, uh, all the canned vegetables. And the funny thing is the, I'll never forget this because my grandma and grandpa had, cause they lived out in the sticks. They had one of these rickety old garages. It looked like it was mm. like a tobacco barn, but it was smaller, like a garage, like they cut the top off of it. They may have. 
and and it was dirty and full of critters and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's where you kept your preserves. Mm. And I always thought it was funny that you store your food in the filthiest conceivable spot <laughs> on the entire planet. It's like let's put our food here in this. But that's crap the thing hole. because you know when it's canned. It's the it's the cleanest it can ever be. You know, there's nothing cleaner than canned food because you got to put it through all you got to boil it and you got to put it through all the different, you know, salting it's like procedures magic to me. Do. I don't know how it they is. do any of that stuff. Like it it, is. here's something else that always blew my mind. This is slightly off something. Making your own jellos and stuff. You ever see anybody do that weird stuff? Mm, That's another never weird that. thing. Making jello? Yeah, the country folk have all these weird listen, they're not too far removed from the old cauldron. You know, you can see where that crap came from. Yeah. You know, and it is sort of like witchcraft, but in actuality, it's normal everyday things and we're dumb. That's a sad. Yeah. And it's it's how people survive (laughs) the winter before electricity, which we could not do for five seconds. We would die just right off the bat. If we lose electricity, we're all screwed. We're going to be huddled together in mass. (laughs) <laughs> staring and staring at the computer screen in vain, wondering what ha- what went wrong. Just waiting you know, for the so. end to come. This is speaking sort of, of waiting. <laughs> speaking of waiting for the end to come, why, why don't we move along? <laughs> what, what a segue! <laughs> While you're waiting for your death, here's some news. <laughs> Very good. Where do you want to go to first, Aaron? You want to head over to everythingamiga.com to see what's been kicking around on that site? You can see I'm looking up for it right now, and lo and behold, it's come to pass. Bam! Ooh. Everythingamiga.com. We had some sweet, sweet, whoo, sweet action this week at everythingamiga.com. Our good buddy. Uh, master writer, published genius, Rob Flacco here is back. He's back, Boat. And he's talking about uh, a game that I've always been amused by. In an article he has entitled, All That Blitters, Battle Chess. What do you yeah, think about so this one? All the Blitters is uh, is Rob's ongoing Amiga series that we're so grateful that he is uh, he's he's put to, he's put pen to paper as it were on everythingamiga.com. This week's game he's talking about Battle Chess, which uh, it's so funny because everything that he writes about I can identify <laughs> with. You know, I learned how to play chess growing up. Uh, I was never really great at it, um, but it, you know, when you're playing chess when you're a kid, it's not about how good you are; it's just about how good everybody else is compared to you. So, if I could get by and not lose every single game against everybody I played, I thought that I was pretty good. When in fact, I'm I'm completely horrible. But yeah. when I first started playing chess computer games, uh, I was enamored with Battle Chess. Now, this is not a game that I ever owned in my own home. Battle Chess was always a game that was at school. Uh, we had um, some old, I think that they were 386s or maybe early 486 PCs uh, that we got sometime in the in the very early 90s, maybe 91 or 92. And I remember Battle Chess being on these computers and being blown away by the graphics. It looks so good. Oh, and yeah. And then playing Battle Chess, the 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 bloom sort of fell off the rose pretty quick for me, just like it did for Flack, because the animations, while fantastic and cool at first, become super, super long and super boring once you've seen them all a million times. Now, Aaron, were you a fan of Battle Chess? Well, I'll tell you, when I when I was a younger Aaron, before in the, in the pre-Battle Chess days, like chess was this sort of it was sort of a big deal that you could play this on a computer, you know. Mm-hmm. It was chess, man. Yeah, because you because the computer was, and the computer was good, and so we. I, I'm trying to think of some of the old chess games I played. It seems like something like Sargon or some I don't know, but this game came along, and this was that this was firmly straight directed at a guy like me who wasn't a big chess guy, but I did like cartoon violence. That was great. <laughs> and so you know I did what everyone else did. You had to go through and see every conceivable death in Battle Chess. Mm-hmm. Some of which are difficult to see, like a king taking a king, something like that. Right, uh, right. But uh, uh, it was always fun to set those up. Now, uh, at the time, I was not the biggest fan of the old chess mm. uh, boat. Now, the Murray now, you were not. It was your brother like. that was on the chess team, right? You well, were, you were not, never on the chess I w- team. I was, in, I was in the chess club. Oh, you were also in the chess club. Well, okay. I quit it after uh, early on. I, mm. I, let's. Uh, I I'm not real fond of chess, and the main reason I'm not fond of it is because it makes me nervous. Yeah, uh, real nervous. It's like it's man. like a knife fight in a phone booth, man. That's well, <laughs> maybe so. I never thought of it that way. But what it you know you have to plan yourself playing stuff three or four moves ahead, and literally that's the exact opposite of the way I live my life. 
Like, <laughs> I, trust me, in my life, the king's taking the other king all the time. It's just a madhouse out there. And so uh, I, this was just, I did enjoy watching the antics of it. I knew you could play like computer to computer, but you're right. Lo- watching this thing load off disc, for example, was, <laughs> you can watch the clock tick. It was just slow mm. as heck. It's like, oh, God. Even if you play this today, it's still not fast. Uh, but it was pretty. And they went on to make uh, some sequels to this, which I thought were garbage. Uh, Chinese chess and some other stuff. They, it's a kind of space version. And I remember that Star Wars ripped off Battleship with like a Star Wars version. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember so seeing it, I remember seeing pictures of that in magazines and thinking, man, I bet that's just as lame as the... Because, uh, I mean, at least with Battle Chess, you got some real visceral violence, you know? Nobody wants to see Picard shoot somebody with a phaser or the, the lame double axe handle when he takes the bishop. Who's the bishop anyway in, in Star Trek Chess? Uh, no, I said Star Wars Chess, Bo. Just a Picard oh. in there. This is Star Wars Chess. I, I, I immediately went to Trek. Trek chess. I'm sure they had a Star Trek Chess. It's a much yeah. more cerebral game than Star Wars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Same amount of cartoon violence. But yeah, this one we got played a lot. And I'm sure Interplay made stacks and stacks of wide off of mm-hmm. this particular game. So there you go. Good stuff. That's going to do it for everything on everythingamiga.com, but that's not the only thing that's been going on on our site this week. We've had lots of action over on the YouTube channel, haven't we, Aaron? Correct. Well, I'd say some moderate amounts of action, but on the <laughs> Don't YouTube get too excited, channel. folks. <laughs> it's been huge, but off the charts. So let's start with uh, the interesting episode of ARG Presents we did last week. Uh, me and the Brent were tasked with playing games on the MSX2, the sequel to the MSX1. Double is good, not really. But uh, we did find a couple MSX2 exclusives to play. Uh, Brent played Pumpkin Adventure 3, stupidly, I might add. And I picked a game called Usos, which I, the pronunciation is beyond me, but I'm gonna, we're going to call it that. Uh, very... Um, I have to say, uh, Usos, which is a Konami game, was a very uh, interesting game. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I thought mean, that I, one was pretty fascinating. Yeah, it really, uh, this is a series that didn't go anywhere, but I mean, I, it, it's not for lack of trying. It's a pretty darn good game. Uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, Pumpkin Adventure 3, that's garbage. I hated that game. Listen, and, you uh, you do not like Japanese role-playing games. So that's you're true. You, this this could have been now, by all accounts, this is probably not the best example of a Japanese role-playing game. No. But this the card the, the deck was stacked against you from this one from the beginning. This thing was written by a six-year-old. I mean, it was the, <laughs> the dialogue in it was just the, the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Battle Chess had better dialogue uh, than this did. Uh, but uh, yeah, so if you want to check us out on uh, on ARG, uh, there you go. And this week, this is sort of relevant to this show, Boat. Uh, if you want to join us Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, this week the wheel has tasked us with a special topic. It will be Atari ST versus Amiga. Uh, another another will, famous battle episode. That's well, we only had one, so this will be a hopefully it'll be famous. But uh, my brother has doomed the ST because he'll be representing the ST, and I'll be t- I'll be uh, holding up the banner for the good old Amiga, and I'm going to stomp a mud hole in him and walk it dry. But I don't like that, that phrase. Well, uh, you'll get used to it, my friend. Uh, next on the docket, boat you out of nowhere, bam, BMX. You want to talk about this thing? Yeah, so uh, I decided during my um, early stage recovery period uh, to record a couple of our Sinclair videos, uh, our Sinclair solo videos. And, uh, you know, I I pulled a couple tapes off the shelf. These were the first two that I found. They were both um, uh, the first one is a BMX simulator. We're going to have another one next week. Uh, BMX simulator is a simple game. It's a a simple mechanic. Uh, You are uh, rolling around. Uh, different tracks uh, racing against a, a, a computer opponent. Um, this is a it's it's a fun little game. Um, you know, just like all these videos, I, I look at the packaging. We talk about all the text and stuff. Um, I uh, I will say that it's a little bit difficult for me to breathe during this video. You'll see, you'll hear me sort of become winded as I try and talk. I apologize for that. Uh, like I said, I was still in my early stages of recovery at that time. So, uh, but if you want to watch me play some uh, BMX uh, simulator on the ZX Spectrum, check it out. 
it looks like sort of like you're playing BMX as on like the moon or Mars or something with that co- the color scheme they've got going on there. And suddenly I'm hungry for a hot dog. I can't figure <laughs> that out. Um, looks good, Boatster. Looks, I like I like how you're picking those tapes out. You know that was always a thing of yours. I got to play all these things. It's like you're mm-hmm. you're putting your money one by one. I'm doing it. You know, I had a I had a wacky night uh, last last Friday, Boat. Uh, we had another live stream over on everythingamiga.com. Not true. It was on Twitch, on our Twitch <laughs> channel. And uh, so I thought, you know, let's just play some random crap. So I ended up playing the goofiest crap I've ever seen. Just loads and loads of goofy crap, including the uh, the game that uh, 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 Flack did his show on a while back, Arg. We gave that a whirl. We played some One Must Fall. Just a bunch of crazy stuff. So if you want to see a couple hours of just some people getting wacky, uh, pop on over and check that out. I've entitled this one Amigo Aaron's Wacky Cavalcade of Wackiness Boat. I love uh, just it. Just a throw. Yeah, I got to throw a lot of that stuff in there. Um, boat, here it is. It's you've released it. We're it's it's out. It's Ask the Amigos Part One of Two for November Boat, where we're asked the pivotal questions uh, that affect our everyday lives. What do you think of this particular uh, episode of Ask the Amigos? I honestly cannot remember any of the questions, and uh, I'm sure that we did a fantastic job. Let me just say that my responses were brilliant, well thought out. Yours, eh, they're okay. That sounds about right. That sounds so about if right. Want, if you want, to, if you want to hear me intellectually pound boat in the ground, here it is. I'm in a mood just to. <laughs> I come across like a bully today. I'm going to beat everybody up, Boat. And you're six, and so you're getting a Just double. Don't, don't mention that mud hole thing again. <laughs> and walk it dry. Uh, now, this is something. You talk about coming from out of nowhere. This one came from out of nowhere, didn't it, Boatster? It did. Bam. That's our boy, the Flack. Talk about this one, Boatster. So, Flack uh, is a big fan of Rogue. He's been playing Rogue for like 35 years. And because he's off, Sprite Castle is off this week, which is, it's always, I sort of fly my own personal flag at half mast every time uh, Sprite Castle is off for the week. Because I'm missing What's on your so personal much. flag, if I may ask? What's, what is the banner on that flag? Mudhole. Mud. <laughs> So carry on. Rob takes us through playing Rogue, and he does this in a way because a lot of people they're like, oh, I know what Rogue is, but a lot of yeah. people don't because Rogue is just not a game that you know people play much anymore. There is a whole genre of Rogue-like games out there that yeah. take concepts of Rogue, you know, procedural generation, top-down viewpoints, and stuff like that. But Rob takes us all the way back. It's also interesting because he's playing the Steam version. I guess there is a new version that's been released for Steam, and it's super cheap. It's like three bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he takes us through that and I enjoyed watching this video because he talks about rogue uh, from a beginner's perspective. And I'm, I'm no rogue pro. Uh, I, I've been known to play a rogue like now and again, but I really enjoyed the way that he broke down uh, the different commands. He talks about some tips on how you can control monster movement to sort of maximize your, you know, to minimize the amount of food that you're eating. Cause every, every action you take, you know, matters. It's funny I hate, as you know, I hate first-person dungeon crawlers. I hate them. They're to me, it's the, the absolute dirt. They're your JRPGs. Yeah, it, it's yeah. the worst genre that's ever been created. However, I love roguelikes, and I was I spent some time thinking about. It. I was like, why do I love roguelikes, but I hate dungeon crawlers because ostensibly they're the same game you're rolling around in a dungeon you're getting treasure you're killing enemies and you're getting lost you know that's that's what it is but to me i think that the 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 big difference is the viewpoint you know i am a person that can deal with a, only very small amounts of frustration when I play a game. And when you're playing a first person uh, frame by frame dungeon crawler, the frustration meter is off the charts from the get go, unless you're making a map because you're running into the same stupid walls. You're getting lost. You're turned around. You don't know where you are. Everything looks exactly the same. On a dungeon in a game like Rogue, you can see the action from above. So you immediately you know where you are, you know where you're going, and that I guess that's the big difference. That's the, that's the thing that makes it different to me is the viewpoint. You know, I like being able to have the control of being able to see the entire floor where I am and not just seeing what's directly in front of me. Plus the fact any game that you have to make a map, I'm throwing it in the garbage. I mean, the, those days are over. But. You're you're no longer with it, my friend. When it comes to these 
RPGs. Back in the day, map making was part of the joyous experience of playing one of these games. I bet you it was. Get in there and map that sucker out. Get you some grid paper. You know, you're not an old role player like I am, uh, and I mean RPG style role playing. Uh, and back in those days, you gotta have the grid paper to play the game. You know, do you really though? Do you really to have a good role playing experience? Do you have to be taking out role? That's that doesn't sound like the DM I know. Well, <laughs> it is. It's the exact DM you know. No, it's, it's not. We played. We played years. We played years of of campaigns, and you never once were like, "Okay, guys, take out your map paper." Well, listen, the, the proper way to play is with grid paper. Don't give me the proper thing. way to play. It's I true. want to play the fun one. Also, you got to have you got to have those lead miniatures that just cuz you're t- you're having your hand on those while you're eating your Cheetos and your pizza. <laughs> so you got everyone at the table got lead poisoning. Bam. That's the that's the RPG way right there. Now they've computerized it and stuff, so you don't have to have that crap. You can have a little map on your monitor and stuff, but that's part of it. And and RPGs and Computer games have all evolved in the same way. Now they provide the map. You know, they hold your hand. But in the old days, you had to be a man, do it yourself, Bo. There's nothing wrong with that, I think. But yeah, I agree with you. I like I like the Rogue. I used to play the Rogue games myself back in the day. And I thought they were a lot of fun. So there you go. So good stuff. And we should also mention, uh, Bo Deroo, that uh, our bud, speaking of releases this week, uh, the boys over at Pixel Gaiden, I have their show out now, and Rob's got, uh, which is Pixel Gaiden. And, of course, Rob's uh, shows uh, are Sprite Castle and You Don't Know Flack. And I believe he just released a new edition of You Don't Know Flack, like, today. Yeah. Uh, and I believe it's puppets. on Puppets. So that's, you know, I've got friends that are definitely afraid of puppets, marionettes, Muppets, uh, and any sort of, uh, like, inanimate dummy. Uh, so, <laughs> which always amused me. Have you ever had any problem with those things? Like, I've, I've got life? a Muppet sitting across the room from me right now. I love You're puppets. Si- you sort of sound like a Muppet. People a have told way. me that before. People think I'm very Muppet-like in my actions. You are. I agree. I agree with that. Maybe one of those muck- Muppet knockoffs. Mm. You know, I don't know what those are called. But there you go, Boat. That's that's your uh, YouTube action this week. Oh, you probably want to mention something about uh, your This Week in Retro. Why we're here? Yeah, this week in retro is off. This week, uh, I uh, we we made the decision to not record a show this week so I could fully recover uh, from the, the COVID. But we are going to be back and better than ever with a show next week. So uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be back uh, this week in retro. Off for this week. Good call, boat. That's it. Let's move oh. on, Aaron. Yeah. News time, Boat. It's news time. Kick you it. Usually, where's the clarion call for the news, Boat? Let's hear it in your golden tone. <laughs> Train. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> All right. So, Aaron, we got three short stories today in the uh, Amiga news. The first one is that there is a new release. We've covered this for several weeks before, but the game has finally been released. Wiz Quest for the Magic Lantern. This one is a uh, side-scrolling platformer featuring a character that would not be home, uh, would not he, he would not be foreign to the nightmares of your friends who fear marionettes and puppets. This guy is one disturbing-looking wizard. Um, <laughs> his, his body moves in a totally disjointed way. Yeah. Like, it's like the... That is bizarre. <laughs> I like it, but it's weird looking. It is weird looking. This game is AGA only, as you can tell by the uh, the gradients. Uh, it's gradiented out the wazoo. Listen, that looks it looks like a million bucks, but it, it does look it, 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 it it's graphically impressive. Uh, this is a, one of these games that looks like a collectathon platformer. Uh, yeah. You've got lots of different things going on, it, but it doesn't look too manic, which I like. Uh, I watched some of this Let's Play video uh, from Per Ola Erickson, and uh, it looks pretty good. Uh, it is available for purchase. I believe that you can get the uh, download-only version for as little as 10 bucks, and the physical version probably will run you about twice as much. Pretty reasonable uh, yeah. for, for a new Amiga release these days. Uh, if you do have a chance to uh, check this out, anybody, and you want to leave us a comment in the uh, the YouTube comments, let us know, because I want, I want to know what you think. Yeah, it looks... Uh 
it looks nutty. Let's just put it that way. I want the background stuff look pretty cool. I'll be interested to hear how the uh, uh, as the reviews trickle in and what they think of this one, but it looks pretty good, though, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got a new video from our buddy 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast this week. This week, Aaron, he's taking a look at the ultimate floppy emulator from uh, one of our favorite uh, purveyors of Amiga hardware, Edu <laughs> Arena, maker of yeah. the uh, of the Unamiga, among many other things. Um, yeah. So what Doug does is he basically puts this thing through its paces. He connects it up to his uh, Amiga. I think it's an Amiga 2000. Uh, oh, my yep. gosh. His visage just shocked me to the core. It's right there, there man. God. He's a, he's a um, drop-dead handsome man. Yeah. Boy. Oh. Listen, Doug, okay. I think Doug embodies the Amiga. I really do. <laughs> he when does. I see Doug, sort of. like, has there ever been a bigger? Him and Bill are like, the, they should be like, if we had a vice president and president of Amiga, I'd put them right there at the top. You know what I'm saying? They they look like that's a one-two punch. You got to vote for those <laughs> it. It is a one-two punch. You know. Um, so, and basically, what this comes down to is that if you're if you want a thing for games, you know, get a GoTech. You're not gonna you're not gonna be well served by this device. But if you're somebody like Tenmark and actually use your Amiga for product, you know, productivity. If you're transferring files between multiple Amigas and you can't, you know, obviously a GoTech is more of a permanent you know, solution. This thing you can plug in and plug out. It's almost like having a flash drive that interacts with your, you know, with your floppy port on your Amiga. It's basically what it is. Well, uh, this, this is the way to go. This thing's actually this is a, effectively a GoTech, okay? Oh yeah, it's the, you, it's, it's the same thing. It's just not here, a permanent solution. Well, it can be. Do you see that long connector on the right there that he's not pointing at? That big black mm -hmm. connector that can mm -hmm. hook directly into the Amiga's floppy drive, sure, like line. And so this could be an internal GoTech or an external. That's the brilliance of it. Yeah, uh, it's a listen. It's a genius product, but he does go over some of the shortcomings, which is not a shortcoming from Edu. It's just a it's the way it is. You, he's got this thing stuck in the back of his uh, 2000. Well, the problem is, of course, he's luckily for him, he's got his 2000 spunner into his cubby backwards, which is he does that for reasons of don't use all the connectors and stuff. But if you're your average person, you can't see what's going on back there and shoved <laughs> into the back slot. And so he comes up with many cunning plans. And and, and the sketchy tech in me gave that double thumbs up for all. Well, that's nothing I like about Doug. He'll get he'll get sketchy on you. Oh he yeah, he came up with a bunch He's of not crazy afraid. stuff. He's not afraid. But yeah, this is a, this is a neat product. If you're looking for something that, that like for example, if you want to simulate a second drive. If you're one of those lucky people that's got one of those gimmicks that internally lets you switch which drive is drive zero, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can plug this in the back, you're in. You could do that. Uh, so <clears throat> there's a lot of uses for this thing. It's very clever. Uh, and, of course, uh, these are the kind of products that come out of uh, the uh, labs over in Spain with Edu. I should mention, speaking of him, he has shipped the little hat for the Unamigas. At least I got my email confirmation so hopefully in a few weeks I'll be uh So I'll you're be able that's to show that's that going to give you ZX Spectrum Next capabilities, right? Yeah. NES yes. capabilities. You want to be able to do it all, man. Yeah, you uh, know, it, it should be as uh, ZX Next, uh, MSX mm. and uh C64 and NES has been yeah. added to the mix as well. So that's a pretty good uh deal for a little gimmick and I've got I looked over the instructions to make that work. I'm going to need a Doug like level. I'm going to I'm going to uh make some calls boat because <laughs> i looked at this even by my sketchy standards i'm like holy crap what is all this craziness but i'll i'll figure it out you know me oh, but yeah, yeah good stuff doug said it also doug did mention that they are uh the new version of this thing he said has a rotary dial switch available which i've got one of those in one of my go techs and those things are great so i, I strongly recommend that that's good sweet stuff there. awesome man all right, and finally, our final video of the day, uh, Aaron. This is a really, really special video. This is this is called the Amiga Show, and this, this came is, out of nowhere, but yeah, I never heard of this. This comes to us from Anthony Jarvis, long-term uh, supporter of Amigos, long-term fan of the show. I've had a chance to meet Anthony at Amiga Ireland. Heck of a nice guy, and this is his. Uh, this is his Amiga Show. This is the Amiga Show. This is the only video I know of that is like this on YouTube, okay? Uh, what Anthony has done is he's created a half-hour special entirely recorded, produced, and um, and made with an Amiga. So all of this that you see before you was created with an Amiga. And what it is, is it's, it's basically like a, a video magazine. It's almost like a cover tape that you might get, like a cover VHS tape with a magazine. And uh, it's... <laughs> 
Go ahead, man. Yes, that is what it reminded me of. It's like when you used to get those demo tapes. Remember, oh, you probably remember, but back in the day, New Tech had this like sizzle reel you could get at like your local Amiga retailer, and it would. But this has the feel of something like that. The opening and stuff, the graphics yeah. in it, and I, and I love it. I can't love overstate it. the feel of this thing. This is something. This is not something that you're going to want to watch while you've got something else going on. This isn't something like an LGR video that you want to have on the background. What you want to do is you want to pour yourself a cold drink. You want to settle in and give this thing your full and undivided attention because this is you know, Anthony has spent so much time fully scripting this out. The commentary is brilliant. It's so laid back and intelligent. I mean, it's almost come. It's almost like a time capsule from another era back before you needed to have, you know, five second cuts and background music and stuff. This is just a very well done, informative video that takes you back to the launch of the Amiga. And what's great about it is that once he gets done talking to you about a particular utility or program, then he uses it himself. And he's like, let's let's check this thing out. And then it cuts away to him using it. He talks about, you know, uh, Andy Warhol painting Debbie Harry. And then he's like, well, let's try it ourselves. And so he captures the video himself using the Amiga. Again, I can't oversell the fact on how cool it is that everything that you see in this video was made with the Amiga. It's so good. And the good news is that Anthony plans on making about one of these every month. So we have something to look forward to. This is going to be one in an ongoing series. So make sure that you subscribe to his channel. The name of the the channel, I believe, is just called The Amiga Show. Isn't that right, Aaron? Uh, let's look, shall we? It is The Amiga Show. Yeah. yeah He's yeah. also on Instagram, Twitter, uh, the usual the usual spots. First of all, listen, we Anthony's always been uh, very nice to us. And, and but I mean I'll be honest if 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 there was if, the, if he had put something out I didn't think it was that good I'd be like yeah it's okay we'd probably mention it I think this is great and I, it's not just because of the feel of it uh, he actually uh, uh, he actually does stuff in the video that is you don't normally would see and his game reviews he does a couple of games that di- they're different than what you normally would they see. are. He talks about games that, first of all, you wouldn't you wouldn't normally hear. Like the the, the right. first game that he talks about is a really really incredibly deep game, and it's not easy to understand. It's um, old, it's old too. Yeah, and, yeah, and, it, and, it, and it's one you know as we talked about before, the Amiga wasn't exactly bursting with games upon release. I really enjoyed the fact that he took the time to explain this game that, I mean, he could have glossed over in five minutes. He really gives it its, its, its time of day. It's really yeah. well done. So yeah, great congratulations. And we've mentioned uh we've got we've got so many talented people that are buddies of ours in Discord and stuff. And uh a lot several of them put together these videos. Of course, we mentioned Rob and Pixel Gaten guys all the time, but or, or great streams. We've got so many great streamers in the group. Uh this sort of, I told Boat earlier when we talked this, this sort of reminded me of what Kate Fox is doing with her Macintosh librarian videos, mm-hmm. just stuff that takes you know, me, we were talking earlier. Me and Boat knocked these videos out. We just let the dice roll. These are people that have talent, skill. They sit down and plan and do special effects, and they look gr- professional grade. You know, Doug's another one that does this great stuff. Doug's the only person I know that's using an actual Amiga for some of his stuff. And so I, I, I salute anyone that's got the jack because God knows me and you had nothing but trouble over the years, Boat, when we brought the actual Amiga into play. And we haven't <laughs> tried anything half as ambitious as this stuff. So, yeah. So salute to you. And for a, right out of the gate, you hit a home run, man. I like I enjoyed this. I watched it all and it was great. Great, great stuff. Boat. So all right. Go. And that's going to wrap it up with this week's edition of Amiga News. The gamble train is pulling away from the station and the produce train is pulling up, Aaron. Let's talk about Bill's tomato game. <laughs> the produce train. <laughs> I guess I, I mean, love yeah, the produce I mean, train. It works. It works. I'll buy, I'll buy, I'll buy what you're selling there. Now, Bo, I know when we streamed uh, a while back and stumbled onto this game, had you ever played this one before? No, never heard of it. Oh, great. Okay, well, there's a little something for you then there. So, uh, we're talking about Bill's Tomato Game, or Mater Game, uh, for you West Virginians, released uh, in the year of our Lord, 1992. Uh, believe it or not, Psygnosis put this one out, Boat. Yeah. Uh, not a psygnosis light game, although it does share a lot of the qualities of a Psygnosis game in terms of a you know, nice intro and music and whatnot, mm-hmm. and packaging. Uh, it's a one-player puzzler, uh, I guess would be the easiest way to call it. Um this was a game that was coded by a fellow named Bill Pullen, 
Uh, he was responsible. He didn't do much on the Amiga, Aqua Venture, and the he also did the Star Wars Empire Strikes Back game, which actually I like. The graphics were done by a fellow named Gary Burley, and the uh, other graphics fellow was a guy named Lee uh, Westcott, who worked on Walker, which I think is great. And the music was done by Mike Clark. Now, him, we do know. He's done Wiz and Liz, Last Ninja 2, Hired we, we, we know Mike very well. He was yeah, part yeah. of the Amigos interview series. Yeah, yeah. And this is, of course, an ECS-OCS release. Now, before we get too deep into the game, I wanted to mention something I thought was kind of neat, and then we'll come back to it later. Uh, this game, when I looked into it, Wiki has this listed as a game that is released for the Amiga and the Atari ST. Now, mm-hmm. as you know, Boat, I, the Atari ST is not my bag. Uh, but I looked long and hard, and I can't find any evidence that this was ever released for the ST. Really? Uh, I find there's no video, there's no boxes. I've only seen I've other, I've seen other people asking if there's a version of this for the ST. So I think this is one of those classic gimmicks where they someone just put that on the wiki, and then everyone on Earth picked it up. Yeah. Because I can't find any evidence of it. Now, one thing a lot of people don't know is this game was produced and almost released for the Mega Drive. Uh, there's there and there is a it just recently uh, uh, not too recently but within the past three years someone had the uh, production prototype board for uh, this game and sold it on eBay I think they sold it for a thousand pounds and the ROMs were subsequently dumped and then released so you can actually buy this uh, unreleased prototype game for your Mega Drive if hmm. that's your bag and we'll have a look at that a little bit later uh, so what is this game? Uh, it's an interesting. It's it's a, the <laughs> the opening for this is is unusual, I guess to say the least. Uh, it starts off with uh, uh, a farmer loading a truck with to, with tomatoes, and there's a big load of these things, and you actually are following along in the back of the truck with the tomatoes, and uh, there are a boy and girl tomato that are the only ones there that are sort of sinning, I guess, and they look around, and they're like, screw this, <laughs> and as the as the truck is driving through town. They jump out the back of the truck mm-hmm. and kind of bounce off. I will say this: the intro is great, uh, the music's great, and the, as the truck drives to the city, I, I'm sure as I'm sitting here, you can even see the developers up in, in a. In a uh, I'm pretty sure that's them up in a window playing games as the truck drives by, which I thought was a nice <laughs> touch. Uh, but it, and the city looks nice, very almost like a Three Stooges. Uh, the way mm-hmm. they drew it, yeah, I agree. <clears throat> and is that what you got too? That, that feeling? yeah, I, I got that same feeling. And it's funny that you thought about three sieges. I thought yeah. about that too. Yeah, it's well, it reminded me of the scene where Larry runs through the town with the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so eventually, the tomatoes escape. They land underneath this like it looks like a large like a, a beanstalk or a, maybe a weird vine or tree. And then this bizarre vampiric squirrel, I guess, is what it comes down and kidnaps. This the is a, it's tomato. a it's a very odd scene. <laughs> It is. <laughs> it's a very odd scene, uh, and that, and then so that's where the puzzling uh, aspect of the game starts. And, and one would assume that you are tasked with trying to eventually rescue uh, your girl tomato. So, both out of the gate, what were your initial thoughts on this uh, wacky thing? Um, I thought that the the intro was very well done. Um, yeah. you know, it's 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 one of the best animated intros that I think I've ever seen on the Amiga. In terms of, I mean, it really looks like a cartoon. It's it's it there the the, the there's a ton of frames in there. Um, I thought that the it was a little bit jarring the way that the intro segues directly into the action. And one thing you didn't uh, talk about was that. Each one of these levels, you know, there, there, are, there's really two parts to this game. There are the, there's the puzzle part, which is the, I'd say, like ninety nine percent of. The, okay, the introduction is like one percent of the game, and then you've got the puzzling part, which is like ninety five percent of the game. But then you've got the remaining four percent of the game, which is a weird, like platforming type level where you bounce your tomato on this vine, you know, on various parts of the vine. And it's almost like a it's it's like a uh, it's not side scrolling. It's just like a platformer where you just bounce your tomato to the next thing. Yeah, that's the very beginning. And I only only got to that area at the very beginning. And it was I will say that was an odd way to start the game. Yeah. Yeah. And so that it was a little bit jarring to go from, you know, okay, I'm watching the intro and then I'm playing the game. But then as soon as you get the handle of the controls on that, you were like, well, that wasn't really even the game at all. That was just some weird way of introducing like this set of levels. But anyway, Way. Yeah, 
all that said, once you get into the proper game itself, what do we have here? We've got a game that is a physics puzzler that gives you no direct control over the lead character. So what you're doing in this game is you are setting up uh, different items in the environment that your tomato interacts with to progress from the beginning of the stage to the end of the stage. What are these things? Uh, You've got a fan. You've got a platform. You've got a jack-in-the-box. And you've got a a block. Uh, It's basically just like a wooden cube. Okay, and so the idea is, is that you launch your tomato into the air by pressing a button. Your tomato is launched up in the air and then at that point has to, you know, take to the wind thanks to the fan. So you have to set up the fans in a specific way to push the tomato from left to right to get to the end of the stage. In the tomatoes way, there are lots of different baddies. You know, there are things that uh, there are static objects in the environment. There are changing things in the environment. Depending on what stage you're on, uh, these things might be random or they might be on a pattern. I guess everything is sort of on a pattern. But um, the at the end of the day, you are setting things up in the environment and you're trying to time things exactly right so your tomato survives its trip across the screen. That's the game in a nutshell. Right, right. Now, right out of the gate, you know, so when you're into a game like this, there are certain things you need. And one of the things you need is good tunes and good sound. And this, I will say, the of the levels I got to, and I'm not going to lie and sit here and say I beat the game. I got about, I don't know, eight, eight, nine levels in. And then I watched some videos from other people doing much better than me. I thought the tunes were real good. Uh, I love the art style in this. Uh, it's it's a, it's a very uh, attractive. Uh, you know, you're always going on about the bright color and stuff. It's got all that stuff. Uh, and it, it's a, it looks a good it's a good looking game. I mean, it doesn't have to be super complicated, uh, but it, it looks good. The environment changes. Uh, the game itself, I, I don't know if I've ever played a puzzle game quite like this. It's real, like you said, it's odd to not have to it really any control. I mean, I guess sort of like a Lemmings is sort of the same, but you have direct control of the Lemmings. This guy, you literally just kind of smack him around and shoot and shoot him places and balance. Well, you, you don't you don't have direct control over the lemmings. That's the point of the game. Well I mean you could actually you could make give them jobs is what I'm saying. That's what I you say so to a certain degree you have some control over them. Whereas this guy you have no control over them. He just, yeah. he just the, the, well I mean in the, in this game in this game basically what you do is you set up a there's a game called the Incredible Machine and yeah. there, there's a million games like this. I've played a ton of games like this on PC. Oh, um, yeah? Where, yeah. I mean, th- these games are a dime a dozen. Uh, Bill's, what makes Bill's Tomato game different is, number one, it's on the Amiga. So well, that's why we're talking about it. And uh, number two is that you do have sort of a, a friendly character. Um, I think that this game did itself all kinds of favors by making the main character a named character. Um, I, you know, he he's friendly. He's smiling at you um, whenever he dies. It's amusing. You know, the tomato is probably the best fruit to use in a physics based platformer because it can splat in so many different interesting ways. Um, things that I didn't like about this game. Or that the control, the the way that you set things up is very, very fiddly and precise. Uh, I found myself having to adjust fan placement by the pixel level. And to me, that's just not fun. You know, I would have rather seen a grid-based system where you have certain places where you can put objects and... Um, and that will allow you to progress through the level. Uh, I don't like games where they just sort of give you free form to do whatever you want because this is a game that doesn't really require skill to beat. I'm just going to say that. It doesn't. All this game you need is time because you can work each one of these levels out. All you have to do is just, you're like, okay, put the fan here. Hit the thing. Okay, it didn't work. Move the fan a little bit. And then, and then at some point you introduce the second fan. This is not fun to me. Um, I don't enjoy the sort of iterative trial and error process of these physics-based puzzles. I would much rather have a game like Lemmings where it's not immediately apparent what you need to do and you need to figure out, you know, why I need to give this amount of jobs to this amount of Lemmings. And 
And then, you know, you eventually work, you, you get to the same endpoint, but the way that you get there is different. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense, Aaron? It's like you don't get better at these levels. You figure out how to beat them. But when you beat a level, it's not like that helps you beat the next level. It just it's just a different level. I, I, I actually I thought I really like this game. Really? Uh, and yeah, I did. And uh, and because, I, you know, I'm not a big puzzle guy. And I, it's not like I did great at it, but I did feel like I was getting a better idea of what I was doing. You know what I mean? As you play on, I like the fact that you can experiment over and over. And I mean, there's a there's a time limit, but oh, they yeah. give you unlimited lives until you hit the timer, mm-hmm. and and you need them to line everything up. I don't know. I I kind of like this. I felt like I had a better chance at doing well. I mean. Believe it or not, the video you're watching is, but me, this is from the live stream I did a while back, I, but I got a lot better than this uh, over the past week, uh, and and part of it was just learning the way the game works. I mean, you get some pretty, I, again, now, listen, I don't play, I haven't played, uh, I knew about that uh, the machine, Incredible Machine, or I've, I've played that a while back, a long time ago, but those type of puzzle games, I don't really play that much. So for me, this is sort of a new ex- a new experience. Uh, as, 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 that's, so when you said there's a ton of these, I, I not for me. So that's probably part of the reason I liked it more. But another thing was I liked the ability to to, uh, to uh, be able to experiment, you know, and beat and you could sort of beat some levels in different ways, which is cool. I like the uh, uh, I like the different gizmos they give you. Some levels I would bet a million dollars that you can't get past that it's impossible. And then, like, I a couple times I'd have to go cheat to see how someone got past something. And I was always like, it, you're stupid for not figuring that one out. I always felt bad. So I sort well, of stopped of cheating things- after a while because it was... Now, once you've beat these levels, there's I doubt there's that much replay value. Of that I will say. But, I mean, I, the first time around, I sort of enjoyed it. One of the things that I wish that you w- they would have done is made the the password system in this game is really strange. Um, I guess there are the way this game sort of randomly generates passwords. Uh, there are password lists online, but they they didn't work for me. I wanted to skip around. You know, once I got past yeah. the point where, and again. I really feel like I could have beaten this game. Like there is nothing in it. Like it just, it just takes time. You just have to figure out what to do in every level. Um, but once I got to the point where I was like, well, I don't want to, I, I want to see what else is going on in terms of backgrounds and things. Uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't, none of the passwords that I had would work. I wish that they would have given you a, uh, an option at the beginning to choose from a group of levels where it's like, okay, you can go to the toy store levels or you can go to the outer space levels. Or you can go to the undersea levels. And that way you can see more of the game right off the bat without having to go through every single level and every single board. Um, That would have been nice. I would have liked to have seen more um, different. I would like to have seen more uh, ways to progress through the levels that were where, you know, you only have four things that you can use. Uh, they could have made those same four things different. Like, give me a different looking fan or something like that. Or, you know, make the, make the trampoline look slightly different on every stage. Um, just more visual differences between the solutions I would have liked to have seen. I mean, don't get me wrong. This game is fine. It's a good game. Um, I'm just trying to think about ways that it could have kept me engaged longer as somebody who's not necessarily, you know, pulled towards puzzle games as a genre. You must have been a, a lot better at this than me, and because you were, you said like you think you could beat this pretty quick. I, I really did struggle mightily. I mean, I, I, I when I when I played this on stream, it's it's if you struggle with something on stream, you never played it before. But when it was time to actually play for the show, and I sat down with it, I was really infuriated at how difficult it was. And this game is one of those games that. Uh, Really, you ha- you really have to sit down and ponder your move, and when you do it, yeah, and when and when and then, and so for me, I did not think this was easy at all. I thought it was actually really hard. I thought, man, there's no way I'm ever going to get very far in this. I didn't get, I, I didn't even get to level ten. Uh, but I mean, they introduced some interesting stuff, like the 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 uh, the bit where there's something swinging or something popping up in front of your obstacles you have to get over. Also, when you sometimes when you put stuff down, uh, the uh, the obstacles that move forwards or backwards, like a soldier, for example, will they'll erase what you've put down, and so mm-hmm. there's a timing element. I think. Yeah. I was never one. Oh, don't get me sure wrong. I'm not. I'm not saying that this is an easy game. I'm just saying 
what I wish that they would have added some things to inspire me to spend more time, you know, working my way through these levels. Because, like I said, you can once you understand the concepts, because, they, you know, there are only there are only so many items, you know, there's only so many yeah. ways you can get to the end, then you're going to be able to figure it out. But it's just a question. Do I want to spend the next 45 minutes of my life time that I will never get back before I die to do this level? You know, oh, unless geez. you can unless you can give me a, a, a good reason to want to get to that next level. And that 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 was sort of what was lacking for me. I think there's the big difference right there, because literally I'm just wasting most of the time I have before I die. <laughs> and so I figure if I'm, I'm going to waste it, I might as well pretend to be a tomato for an hour and a half. That's what that's how I like to do it. So that may, your time is clearly far more valuable than mine. When I look uh, at a game like, you know, do you remember when we played Pushover? Yeah, yes. Okay, so that game was a game where it's it's a similar sort of thing. You don't have direct control over what's going on. You set up the dominoes, you push the dominoes over, and things happen. But the way that that game introduced concepts and they built on one another over the course of the set number of levels made me... I couldn't put it down. I couldn't stop playing it. And I feel like they could have done something similar with this game where they could have set the levels up to where they introduce concepts about the physics of the world and things like that to make you when you when you beat a level, they're like, wow, OK, I've learned a new skill here. I can put that to use in the next level right away. But the way yeah. that the levels ramp up, it just didn't work that way. Uh, well, I I think part of I didn't get as I probably didn't get as far as you did. So I, but I understand what you're saying. There is the, and with a, with a finite amount of stuff you can do. But I, I think they they come at it from a different element than a lot of games with the, by adding just different types of obstacles, I guess, you know, the, I, it, for me, for someone that's not very good at puzzle games, when I had success with this, it made me happy. And I, I, unlike you, I don't think I could just run through it and beat it, but I think give it enough time and, and give it enough tries. I could succeed at a level at a time. And for me, that's a good thing. So maybe I'd put this, uh, Maybe what we could call this the platform for or the uh, puzzle game for someone that's not really into puzzle games and doesn't like to be frustrated by continuous failure. How about that? Okay. And this might be the, this might be the uh, the game the game for you. Um, something I read a couple wacky bits on this game. Uh, apparently, now I've read this three places, but I can't confirm it. But apparently, when you bought this game, uh, included in the box was a pack of ketchup, which. <laughs> I thought that was kind kind of amusing. You probably don't want to uh, eat that now if you got it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Go ahead. What the hell? Go give it a shot. Uh, I mentioned that they that this had a, a release on the uh, Mega Drive. Uh, if that's your bag, and so I actually uh, grabbed some footage from it uh, to, so you could see what it, sort of what it looked like there. Uh, it looks pretty good. It was done by an outfit named Tempest. Apparently, this was pretty far along in development boat. Uh, before uh, before it went before it went south on them, but you can see it, there has there's not a lot of changes in terms. Of yeah, the, I uh, mean it looks yeah. pretty identical to me. Yeah, yeah, uh, and the uh, uh, apparently the release version. I think that you could actually buy this. Uh, uh, don't hold me to that, but uh, um, I think you can buy this now, which is uh, that would explain why they picked it up. And you can see it that it's structured a little bit differently, but it's basically the same game. It looks pretty good, though, and I'm sure the Genesis could easily handle a game like this, so no problems there. So if that, if you're interested in that, if you have a Mega Drive or a Genesis, it might be something you can look into. Um, I looked some reviews up on this thing, uh, Boatster. Uh, Lemon gives this the unusual score of a straight 7. Mm. <laughs> That's a 7. Uh, no dot, anything. This got a ton of reviews, just to go over a few of them. Uh, Amiga Action gave it an 88. Amiga Computing gave it an 80. Amiga Force, one of my favorites, gave it a 59. Drop the hammer, Boat. Yeah, I read uh, that review. They did not did like you? it. Did you? Yeah. Really? Uh, Amiga Format gave this an 88. Amiga Joker, you know they'll drop the hammer, 82. So they liked uh, it. Yeah, Amiga Magazine, 7 out of 10. Uh, and uh, Amiga Power gave it an 81, and AUI gave it a 90, and the one gave it 82. So you see all those scores in the B range, the mm -hmm. B range of, of games. Do we get any Discord hot Discord action on this boat? We did. We got quite a few reviews for Bill's right. Tomato game this week. Um, Pixels of Dawn writes, This is a game I've heard for years but had never played. I'm glad I did. 
It's a simple but enjoyable puzzle game with great graphics and decent music. Placing the pieces with the mouse is precise, and it feels like there are multiple ways to approach a lot of the levels, which adds to the satisfaction when you think you found a smarter way. Unfortunately, where it falls down is the mechanics. There's only a few items which are introduced in the first few levels and then aren't changed for the rest of the game. And this must be the first game where I've had to consult the manual to progress on the level select. But these are small problems. This is fun in small doses, and after 20 levels, I would still like to come back and finish the rest. A solid 8 out of 10. And Frodo and L writes, a fun puzzler with great graphics and enjoyable music. It would have benefited from having more mechanics and items, but what works is there, but what is there works quite well. I've been playing it off and on for the past half year, usually only one or two levels at a time, and it still works for me. This is one I plan to complete. Eight out of ten. Yeah. If you like puzzle games, especially you know, physics-based puzzle games, you're not gonna do much better than Bill's tomato game. I mean, it, it's a great example of the genre. All of my all of my sort of negativity on it is just based on the fact that it's not my favorite genre. And there are things that I think they could have done to pull me in a little bit more effectively, but don't, don't let my, don't let those thoughts, you know, weigh on the fact that this, this is a quality title. It really is. I I agree. And, uh, uh, I, this is one that I'll, I'm much like, uh, the last discord review there. I can see myself coming back to this one and just popping in occasionally. I'll, I, I, this is one of those, you know how I can tell if a game gets my, even if it's not my favorite genre, the way I get a game gets my seal of approval is if I beat a level and I give it the old, the old fist pump. Mm-hmm. And that happened to me a lot on this when I would get through something. Cause I mean, you try and fail so many times uh, that it, it can be infuriating, but it, it when, when you hit it that perfect time and you get the fist pump, you know, it's a winner, my friend. I, that's the way I like it. Did you get anything else with this score? Is that the whole ball of wax? That's here, the bro? whole ball of wax. I do want to thank Frodo NL. He is the Amigos Game Selection Committee member for suggesting uh, this week's game. Uh, and, of course, we want to thank the whole committee for putting it to the vote. Yeah, and I should mention, I did look this up on the eBay Boatster, as I'm, I often do. And this thing, I, I couldn't find any that were currently for sale, but I did see one that had sold recently for about 30 bucks uh, U.S., and it was in the U.K., so... I'm wondering how well this one sold, uh, given the time when it came out. I mean, granted, it's a Psygnosis game, but it's certainly not their usual fare. And uh, I don't know if this was a big hit or not. I mean, if they were working on a on a port, one would assume that it was fairly popular. But well, it, it's it's hard to know too because so many people when I when I look at the lemon reviews and stuff, they're like, "Well, I played this on a, on a cover disc." You know, they a b- yeah, bunch of people that. had the demo version, and so who knows what percentage of people only played you know the first however many levels were on the demo. It's funny you should mention that because the demo disc was for quite. I saw quite a few of those for sale on eBay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you might be. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. I wonder how many people have just played the demo disc on a ton of games. Yeah, because I know yeah. back in the day I used to do that all the time when I would pick up the uh, the British mags. They take the. Uh, that's why I bought them. And I mean, a the lot of times that nice, can. I mean, whenever disc. you know, in my own experience, whenever I play a demo version of a game, I almost always end up liking the demo version more than when I buy the full game. It's like. I get lulled into thinking that I'm going to like the whole thing. And then I buy the full version. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is really just like more of the same. And I didn't like this as much as I thought I did. Um, but that's the point of the demo, you know, give you a little taste, make you want a little bit more and uh, hopefully make you not pirate the game. Speaking of piracy uh, in the uh, this is during the time, the period of time where Psygnosis, I think this was really starting to affect them because they devote an entire the entire first page of the manual to talk about how this game is copyright and you shouldn't pirate it. You shouldn't copy it, yeah. which is funny because if you're holding the manual in your hand, chances are you didn't pirate it. So you're the preaching you, of the choir. You know, the book for this is pretty good too. It's, it gives you like uh, demonstrations of balances and stuff. Mm-hmm. On how the, I thought the, the manual was really well done. I mean, I flipped through a cursory glance because I didn't think I needed it. <laughs> Maybe I should have read it before. <laughs> I, I read the whole thing. I, you know, I go on hollow light and download it. And um, another thing that I thought was interesting, did you take the time to watch the credits of this game, Aaron? No, no. Okay. Well, the credits in this game are actually pretty good. There's actually a full ending scene where I think I wasn't actually able to see what happened. I'm pretty sure after you rescue your girlfriend, I think that she gets captured again or maybe Terry gets captured this time. At any rate, you, you end up alone again and then the credits roll. And then the first person you hear from is Bill, a.k.a. Bill from Bill's Tomato Game. And he's like, thanks to Psygnosis for giving me some money to make this game. (laughs) 
I was like, man, that's a weird thing to put in the credits. Yeah, I never watched the ending of this, so uh, that's interesting. I want to beat it. I want to beat an old school vote. I want to. Mm. I didn't want to know, but that's okay. I'll forget yeah. ten minutes later. Uh, I will say that the uh, I watched a playthrough. It took the person that was playing it about three hours to get through all the levels, and they did make multiple mistakes. So you can definitely get your your money's worth out of this game. No question. So for about me, it. about seven years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this review. I guess it's time to uh, thank some people, Aaron. We got uh, some people that we want to thank that have subscribed to our channel on Twitch. Um, if you uh, if you care to watch us live, you're welcome to. We record the show live every Friday uh, around four or five o'clock, really, depending on what's going on in the world. Uh, but uh, we want to thank all the fine, fine folks that have subbed to us on Twitch. Jigglebox, thank you. Pints and Amiga, great algae rmc retro litwarski coconut 81 gary heather macintosh librarian christian russell buck owens retro jerry roscoe 500 wing chun wolf rushi msx memories of a spectrum gamer frodo and l wishbone gelmet 72 hermsky Old B. Sturgeon, David Zainaz, Uber Scuba Diver, Tom Servo 1970, Lamatsa, Mitsuyama, Still Adolescing, and Amiga Live. Thank you guys yeah. so much. Thanks, um, y'all. And uh, we should take a second to talk about what's been going on in our Amigos community, Aaron. You know, we have rolling high score challenges that are always going on over on the channel. And this week, uh, there's a new game. Uh, this one was suggested by Sundown. It's a new game called um, Smarty and the, and the Nasty Gluttons. Aaron, have yes. you had a chance to play this game yet? I have not. Now, I watched a video of it to see what it was, though. <laughs> you know, I've spent some time with Smarty, and this is a game that I really hope the AGSC picks for us because this is an example of a new Amiga game that is not crap. In fact, it's the opposite of crap. It's super duper awesome. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in fourth place in the high score challenge right now. It's a great game. Right now, Sundown is leading the charge uh, with his with a high score, but Barkbit's coming up strong in second place. Uh, we also have a high score challenge going on on the Spectrum side. The Specky high score challenge for Bruce Lee is still going on. And uh, we've got uh, the action is hot and heavy with Frodo and L, who just recently broke a million points in Bruce Lee, which I didn't even know was possible. I don't know how they're doing this. I tried this and I, I don't know what it's amazing that they're getting to be put i don't know what they're doing differently than what i, I mean i not can't sucking get anywhere near what they're that. doing not sucking take off but you know I'm, I'm a i'm a stud at bruce lee that's what you, you know tell that. me um so that is the high score challenges that are going on right now and of course we would be remiss if we didn't talk about last week's Patreon song challenge. So uh, this was a solo guitar number uh, that I put together. Uh, it was a Beatles song. Uh, lots of people uh, got this one, of course. Uh, Frodo and L, Paul Kitching, The Slow Norris, Bernard Lucas and Mitsuyama. The name of the song was You've Got to Hide Your Love Away. Great like track from the Help album, from the Help album, which yeah. was my first Beatles album. Special really? place in my heart, yeah. Mine was the White Album boat, so I came that, in. That's why. Weird. That's why you turned out all weird on us. Yeah, that could be it, dude. <laughs> all right, uh, we do have a new supporter this week. I want to thank right. Data Dog for joining the fold. Uh, as always, if you enjoy Amigos, if you enjoy our little podcast, you can keep the keep the lights on, as it were. You can help us out by going over to patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Uh, we'd love to have your support. Um, and uh, you can join our Discord channel, which is like by far the best thing about our community. Um, it's way better than the show. Uh, and there's always fun stuff going on in Discord. Uh, we're preparing the uh, annual Amigos Secret Santa celebrations, which are going to be happening pretty soon so it's always a good time um and uh of course you get to be part of the patreon song uh every week uh if you know as always the name of the patreon song you can send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com and i will announce you as a winner on next week's show so uh let's take it away aaron i dedicate this patreon song to all of you amiga believers in lockdown over in europe england the uk Scotland, all around the world. And David Pleasance, when he gets the message, you're not going to back another one of his Kickstarter books. He's sitting there in his room with his dizzy night light, and he's crying. And my voice comes in, pow, in the middle of the night. This is what I tell him. 
Data Dog Heavy Systems Inc. Bundy Frag Lord Mark Byland. Olaf Hope Hermsky, Jonah AK Simulant. Ethan Little Alien Breeder. Dave Velociraptor Cowbird Boy. Lane Dance and Luke Hudson, John Cook Bomb the Bass, Roshi Frodo and El Sol and Sizer Tech Mage Jurgen, Mr. Cola, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jenny Dennington, Zora Glub, Commodore Kid, Reflection, Simon Letch, Cap'n, Crispy Kilobytes and Caffeine, Gary Hother, Free Lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford, Armstrong, Carmen Am Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobster Minator. Tin Man and Amiga, Retro, Cast Bernard Quinn, RMC, Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Joseph Harrison, Kyle Edder, Rob O'Hara, Matthew Laramore, Andy Craig, Sean Zoe, Bark Bid, Roland Burke, Andrew Monks, Joe the Zombie Leaf, Kellon, Alan Kebabchek, Cote, Level Lord, John Marshall, Matthew Perlone, Ricky DeRocha, Creepy Dead Boy. DGCTZ, the slow Norrest, Stefan Swargard, Martinson, Edvin, Helen, Blender75, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott, Chris Foles, Lauren, Jeroux, Graham, Vebke, Adam, Battersby, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Heather, Hall, Harrington, Duncan Styles, Tapes from the Crypt, Josh Nan, Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THT, Eric Nelson, Kim Tommy Humberstein, Daniel Bingston, Brutal Barrett, Cole, Derek Colds, Jason Warns, Pixels of Dawn, and Kjold Bjorn Barman. All right. Well, uh, they, 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 <laughs> judging from the chat, this may not be a uh, a well guessed number. This may be outside the musical wheelhouse of most. Oh man! Speaking um, of throwing tomatoes, oh man! Get your go call Bill. We need a we need a bushel. That's uh, so. Uh, and of course, we couldn't go anywhere without thanking all the fine folks who have joined us live to watch the show here on twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. Uh, we want to thank first and foremost our uh, our noble moderator, Pixels at Dawn Gaming, for keeping the chat in check. He doesn't let anything slide over there. And of course, we got to thank A Air Jury. Thank you for the raid earlier. Amiga Live at yeah, Barkbit, uh, Commander Root, uh, Edvin Helland, Frodo NL, Gary Heather, Jigglebox, Hermsky, Jason Warns, L. Curtis B., Lotarski, Macintosh Librarian. Man, we got lots of heavy hitters here watching this They're evening. All, it's, it's the whole, everybody, man. Mitsuyama's here, Mr. Cola, Navi77, Olaf Hope, Peeplo, Picard2010, R-Typer, RMC Retro, Rob Flack O'Hara, uh, Uber Scooper Driver, VNK Vero Pros, Woody Watson, Z9K9, and ZX Specky. Thank you guys so much for uh, hanging out with us and watching the show live. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, y'all. Good stuff. Uh, all right, Aaron. Next week, we are going to... It's Shooter Week on Amigos. It's time to don the tools of the trade, if you will, the machine guns of war. We're going to be talking about dogs of war. Look at that thing. You're ready. You are a dog of war. Um, this was chosen for us by AGSC member Hasifa. Thank you so much, Hasifa. I'm looking forward to Dogs of War. I'm looking forward to going out in the battlefield and relieving some of my uh, battlefield aggression, Aaron. Let me, let me ask you a question, Boat. Okay, man. Dogs of War. This sounds familiar. Is this one of these... That's not that war game that we fell off the cliff during the Amigathon, is it? It is. This is it. it, is. it? <laughs> this, is like, this is like our Vietnam video game. We're going back. I can't believe we're going back to Dogs of War, Boat. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thank you so much, as always, for listening to Amigos. We really appreciate it. Uh, feel free to uh, reach out to us. Feedback at AmigosPodcast.com if you have anything you want to say to us. Uh, and if you haven't... <laughs> Tell a buddy, <laughs> tell a buddy about Amigos, spread the word, let, let them know that there is a weekly Amigos podcast, Amiga podcast where two guys sit around and talk nonsense. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Until then. Adios. Adios.